Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm a ranger in the National Park Service. I was flipping through your posts while on lunch break and saw a few paranormal ones and missing four on one one's. I am very experienced and have seen many strange things in these parks. The things I cannot explain, I've yet to see anything deemed paranormal or even supernatural in my 20 years of experience. I have seen a number of strange things, though. Many of them I can't explain. But I always have to be careful of what I label them as, and specifically on paper, that they are natural occurrences if you understand what I'm saying. My husband is also a park ranger, and he has seen more than I have and has witnessed more things than he can explain. Currently, I'm on the East Coast, and my husband is on the West. We have parks in common, and we have parks that are different. I'm also kind of a park naturalist and have been in many places in the parks that most people have not gone to. The thing that struck me the most is that I could not explain was when I worked at Canyonlands N.P., I was working at the island in the Sky Visitor Center. 
It was around the time when Canyonlands National Park was getting a lot of attention due to the status of Dark Sky Sanctuary. I had many people from the public come and ask me questions about how to see the night sky. One couple came in and spent quite some time talking about the stars and planets. The man of the couple, probably around 30 years of age, left for a moment to go to the bathroom. His girlfriend asked, Are we close to a skinwalker ranch? I was quite taken aback and replied, We are quite a distance away, probably over an hour's drive. They told me that's a good thing because they are not what they say they are. I asked her, What are they? And she said they were stalking manipulative, dangerous creatures, but she could not tell me much more. She acted very strange and very fidgety, almost like a drug addict would while they were feeding. It was very strange behavior, but I doubt she was on drugs because she was very coherent, and even though what she was saying was creepy, it wasn't exactly drug talk. We spoke for a few more minutes, then her boyfriend returned, and they left. I still wonder about that encounter and what she meant. It sounded like she knew something. I've often thought about it. I would love to know more about what she knew about them specifically, but I attribute that encounter to a different thing altogether. Again, I've been doing this job for well over 20 years, and while I've had some strange experiences like that, I've never exactly seen a ghost or some sort of demon before. In this email, I'll tell you about one more story that I have. So this is around the same time I was working at night and actually walking back to one of my vehicles. Not my personal vehicle, by the way. In maybe about 35 yards into the woods, I heard my name being called by a voice that sounded very familiar. I could not quite put my finger on who it was, but I knew the voice from somewhere. But they were very softly calling my name from in the woods. Immediately, this struck every wrong chord in my body because I knew that whoever this person was did not mean well, if you catch my drift. And how do they know my name? They were clearly stalking me. Something, everything about the situation was bad. I called out to them, showing my light and my gun, demanding they show themselves. I realized once I stopped talking just how quiet the night was. Even the crickets had ceased their noise-making. I quickly backed my way to my vehicle and drove out of there. I don't know what that was or who that was, but I'm glad I did not find out. I hiked through the dense underbrush of the secluded forest, accompanied by my two friends, Jack and Mark. We had embarked on this hunting trip in search of pheasants, seeking the thrill of the chase and the satisfaction of a successful hunt. As we made our way deeper into the forest, our paths diverged, each of us venturing into different sections in pursuit of our feathered quarry. I followed my instincts, trusting my senses to guide me through the thicket. That's when I caught a whiff of something foul, a putrid odor that clung to the air like a festering wound. Driven by curiosity and an indomitable spirit, I followed the source of the smell. The stench grew stronger with each step until I stumbled upon a clearing bathed in dappled sunlight. And there, before my disbelieving eyes, stood a creature unlike anything I had ever encountered. 
It was tall and emaciated, standing unnaturally upright on its two hind legs. Its arms were grotesquely elongated, stretching down to graze the forest floor like a gorilla in repose. A crooked spine gave it a hunched appearance, while its face, devoid of horns, appeared deformed and twisted. Moonlight cast an eerie glow upon its gray, almost translucent skin, and its eyes shimmered with a damned brilliance. My heart pounded within my chest as I raised my rifle, my hands trembling with both fear and anticipation. The creature's gaze met mine, and for a fleeting moment time stood still. I squeezed the trigger, the sound of the gunshot shattering the forest's serenity. To my astonishment, the bullet passed through the creature as if it were nothing more than a specter, an illusion. It showed no reaction, as though my attack had no impact on its ethereal existence. In the blink of an eye, the creature vanished into the depths of the forest, leaving me bewildered and filled with a mix of awe and uncertainty. When my friends finally rejoined me, I could not contain the urgency to share my encounter. I poured out the details of the strange creature, recounting the sight, the smell, and the ethereal nature of the encounter. Their laughter filled the air, their skepticism cutting through the fabric of my story. They mocked me, accusing me of indulging in hallucinogens or letting my imagination run wild. But deep down, I knew what I had witnessed was real. As far as the time and place goes, we were down by the river at night, looking for an abandoned car with drugs inside of it. We didn't find any, so we're just cruising back home. Top lights off because it's late, and suddenly something darts out in front of our police cruiser from the right side. So I swerve left to avoid hitting whatever it is at 50 kilometers an hour, or whatever the speed limit was at the time. Next thing I know, I've got a face full of bloodied fur and all sorts of smells like somebody's thrown up their KFC gravy all over. Same thing over my partner who's driving. When we get out to inspect whatever it is we've hit, we're both just like, what is that? It was an awful stench. We look around and don't see anything apart from the big patch of dirt and bloodied fur or whatever. Sorry, I'm not good with visual details and bits of gore all over the road. It wasn't until recently when I began doing research for this type of stuff at home, I found out what it could have been, a young juvenile Bigfoot. This was a strange, humanoid-looking creature. This was all that was left of it. Don't laugh. It's the only explanation we can find. The smell that it left behind was horrendous. It was the most musty, stinky stink I've ever smelled. We decided not to tell anybody. We would have been the laughing stock of the entire county. We just stuck with our story and said we hit a large dog. Nothing more ever became of it. Besides, nobody would have believed this anyway. In 2003, I saw the backside of a huge dog creature. I say huge, it could have just been a really big wild dog in the swamps outside Haines City, Florida. I only caught a glimpse of it, and it kind of looked like Scooby-Doo the way it was running. 
It was about waist high to me, and I'm six foot six. The image I have of it in my mind is from the back, and it was like a tangle of limbs flying past me within ten feet. We had just got back from Christmas shopping, and I was helping my mom with getting my baby sister out of the car when the creature ran from my grandparents' backyard, which was directly on a causeway in a boating community. My stepdad yells, hey, and it flew past us. It was a blur as it went by. My stepdad got the best look at it before it got moving. He saw its face, and all he's ever been able to tell me is that it looked like a big German shepherd. But in a literal 1.5 seconds, I saw it dive across what was easily an eight-foot ravine, both horizontally and vertically up the hill and over an alligator-infested creek and into the bushes and trees and marshland on the other side. Then we shined a flashlight over there and could only see a reddish-orange glow of the eye shine. There was a street light pointing in the direction of the house, plus the porch light and motion light in the driveway there so it made it harder to see when it took cover. I could barely make out a big round head in the darkness, but I remember it seeming high off the ground for a dog. We stared at it for at least a full minute, and then it turned away and we went inside. I wanted to keep looking, but I didn't want to stand out there alone. True story, maybe not a cryptid, but I'm convinced they're real. The world is a strange place. I tightened my grip on my M16 rifle as we cautiously made our way through the dense, treacherous terrain of the remote island stronghold in Montenegro leading our highly trained U.S. Special Forces team was Jack, a seasoned veteran with nerves of steel and an unwavering determination. Our mission was critical, infiltrate the stronghold controlled by a dangerous Russian terrorist organization, rescue a high-profile Ukrainian hostage, and prevent a catastrophic attack on NATO soil. The stakes couldn't have been higher, and every step we took brought us closer to danger. As we bypassed heavily armed guards and circumvented intricate security systems, the tension in the air was palpable. The adrenaline coursed through my veins, keeping me alert and focused on the task at hand. We were a well-oiled machine, moving swiftly and silently as we approached our target. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, we reached the heart of the stronghold. The room where the hostage was held captive was heavily guarded, but our training and precision allowed us to neutralize the threat swiftly and without raising the alarm. With our Ukrainian hostage safe, we set explosives to destroy the stronghold and eliminate any trace of the terrorist organization. Operations With the countdown ticking down, we made our way to a pre-designated rendezvous point deep within the woods. Fatigue weighed on our bodies, but our determination pushed us forward. Little did we know that an unexpected encounter awaited us. As we reached the rendezvous point, we caught sight of a creature unlike anything we had ever encountered before. It stood an imposing nine feet tall, with shoulders as wide as four feet. Its stringy hair offered glimpses of the immense muscles that flexed beneath its taut skin. Its thighs were as round as tree trunks, and its lack of a discernible neck accentuated its cone-shaped head. 
with long arms that swung with unnerving grace. I struggled to find the words to describe this hybrid creature, a terrifying amalgamation of half-gorilla and half-Neanderthal man. Fear and astonishment gripped us as the creature locked its gaze on our team. With a sudden burst of speed, it charged towards us, driven by an unknown purpose. We unleashed a volley of rounds from our M-16 rifles, aiming to subdue the beast, but our bullets seemed to have little effect. The creature endured the barrage, shrugging off the impacts as it closed in on us. Time seemed to slow as panic mixed with determination in our eyes. We fought with all our might, engaging a desperate struggle to survive. But just as it seemed our fate was sealed, the creature abruptly turned and fled into the shadows of the surrounding forest. Its eerie, guttural growls echoed in the distance, leaving us bewildered and awestruck. Relief washed over us as the thumping sound of helicopter blades grew louder in the distance. Our extraction had arrived. As we boarded the helicopter and rose into the air, the question lingered in our minds. What kind of creature had we encountered? I was patrolling in my cruiser when I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. It looked like a man-sized lizard walking on two legs, crossing up ahead. It had shiny scales all over it, and it moved very quickly like it was very comfortable walking on two legs without a problem. Its eyes were this fiery red color. It turned over to look at me, so I did a U-turn for it as soon as it disappeared, thinking this was just some freaking Halloween costume. I drove around aimlessly, checking every road and nook and cranny on the path before going off about where this thing had been seen. About an hour after that, just outside of Colchester County, our cruiser got attacked by what we think was the same lizard creature, except now it came from behind and shattered the back glass. It nearly almost got into the cruiser had it not been knocked off the car and shot at. After this happened, the weird things began happening to all the officers who experienced this. Bad nightmares, strange paranormal happenings at home. Then it became the entire police station. Everybody felt like they were under attack by some kind of demon or devil. There were only so many details to remember about these things. They kind of reminded me of gremlins or ghostbusters, except they were so gross and reptilian looking. The only one who seemed to understand at the time was our second to the chief officer, Schaefer. He had had personal run-ins with these things before, individually and by himself while hunting. And then other strange paranormal happenings began happening all over the police station. Even worse, things got increasingly violent, and I began fearing for my life. Even now, I feel like whatever that thing was, it attached evil spirits to me and my fellow colleagues. Do you have any idea at all? I know you're just a YouTube guy, but do you have any idea at all what this could be, or if this means anything? I'm just an officer who's desperate looking for help. One of my buddies is a private pilot, and this is my favorite story of his. A friend of his had to fly a small jet filled with half a dozen or so caskets that did in fact contain deceased bodies. Some family issues came up, so his friend asked if he could make the flight for him. 
No problem. It's a quick flight with decent pay. Why not? Once he accepts, his friend warns him not to take the aircraft above 30,000 feet. He's a bit puzzled, but doesn't worry about it too much, and pretty soon he's in the air along with the least sociable passengers imaginable. Everything's going fine the first few hours, until he notices a heavy weather system building ahead of him. He keeps the same altitude of 30,000 feet for a while, but pretty soon the turbulence is just too much. So he says vivid and hauls on up to 45,000 feet. No more turbulence, just smooth sailing at this point. A few minutes later, he starts hearing a strange noise coming from the back of the plane. A strange moaning sound, almost, accompanied by the occasional bump. This is pretty sketchy because he's the only crew on the plane, and unless this is some World War Z shit, those passengers shouldn't be making any noise. But nevertheless, the strange moaning and bumps continue. He tries his best to ignore them until there is another bump, much louder than the rest, and a very intense moaning sound. He quickly looks back and sees one of the caskets is open, with the person inside sitting almost completely upright. Well, shit, this really is some World War Z mess. He just stares at the dead body moaning at him and hopes to God the man was a vegan and wants some grains instead of his brains. The more the body moans, though, the more it slinks back into the open coffin. Now the 30,000 feet ceiling makes sense. The remaining air and the lungs of the bodies expanded as the altitude increased until they couldn't hold it anymore, and some began to leak out in the form of the creepiest and least sexy moan possible. The one that sat upright expanded so much that his chest cavity actually became buoyant enough to partially lift his upper body. Once he realized this, he noped the F right down to 25,000 feet and never covered a flight for that friend again. My ship pulled into El Salvador. I believe it was. Maybe one of the neighboring Central American countries for fuel, but that's beside the point. As we're pulling in, I'm on the bridge wing as Bering Taker using an Allidade to shoot bearings through a slightly magnified lens. It's absolutely dark out aside from our navigation lights and a few dim lights near the pier, so my sight was pretty adjusted to the dark at this point. I happened to see something catch my eye in the sky, maybe a mile and a half off our starboard side moving towards land at an altitude probably around 1,000 feet. It looked sort of like a B-2 stealth bomber, but more triangular. There were zero light emissions coming from it, and it was absolutely silent. Imagine a giant black triangular kite. That's what it reminded me of. It was moving around 200. 300 miles per hour, if I had to guess. I watched until this dark shape against the starry backlit sky was too far into the distance to see it. After we tied up, I asked my friend, who was the port-bearing taker, and the lookout if they saw it, and they both said no. That was the freakiest thing I've ever seen, and maybe truly consider it to be a UFO. I'm a trucker, and I just want to tell my story. Some years back, I was driving home from work. I was a little tired and focusing on staying awake. 
At one point during the drive, I look over and see a girl in the passenger seat of my car. She was probably early teens, pale, long black hair, wearing a white dress and an absolute blank star on her face. She looked over at me. It scared me to the point where I just sat straight up, suddenly wide awake. Looked back over and she was gone. Had I not seen her, I possibly would have fallen asleep at the wheel. Ghost Girl probably saved my life that night, so thanks, I guess. I suddenly awoke, sensing a distinct presence in the bedroom. Initially, I assumed it was my daughter entering the room. Opening my eyes, I glanced towards the side of the bed, where I witnessed an entity standing in front of the wardrobe. It faced me and my sleeping wife, emanating a soft, dull, bluish glow throughout its body. The entity possessed human-like characteristics, with a small head featuring a pointed chin and a bald, domed shape. Its thin neck supported a barrel-shaped body, while its flexible arms moved slowly in a manner reminiscent of Tai Chi movements. The glow surrounding it obscured its facial features, yet it emitted an aura of tranquility. As the entity appeared to gaze towards my daughter's room, it suddenly reacted, turning its head slightly in my direction. With a smooth motion, it extended a hand towards me. Its fingers spread wide. From its palm, a pale ball of light gracefully leaped towards me in slow motion, striking me squarely between the eyes. My last memory was that surreal moment, and then I found myself in broad daylight with the strange entity vanished. I have had disabling migraines for the past 15 years. I realized I was addicted to Xanax and Valium and anything to stop the pain and keep me functioning. Eventually, I crashed. I had to stop working. I couldn't read or go into any stores. I lived downtown in big city and wore earplugs to leave my building because the noise was too much. I created a sort of isolation booth for myself. I still more or less live in it. Strangest things I've seen. No. Strangest sensations, I think, are more like it. I've had moments when I was so starved for human interaction but couldn't handle the stimulation. I would lay in bed holding a body pillow with blackouts drawn, earplugs in, and an eye mask just in case. Sometimes I'd lay for days. Often I didn't have enough cognitive function to feel anything but hunger. I have lain in bed and cried because I couldn't heat up a microwave meal. It is an odd sensation to be hungry have food available, and be starving. Not anorexic, incapable. The next is that I don't exist. Time doesn't exist. I forget what month I'm in. I forget what I had for breakfast or if I had breakfast. I've had bills go to collection because they sat and sat. Not procrastination, but again, my cognitive function drops low enough it's like being a zombie. When I have moments of clarity, it's like being dropped in a war zone, knowing you probably don't have time to leave entirely, so you strategize what the next best possible foxhole is. Not existing, I forget to check my phone. I lose it. I haven't talked to anyone in days. My mind starts sort of swooping. 
I remember random encounters with strangers that must have been my last human contact. Vividly accounting for the head nods I made as I walked down the street toward the subway. Two drug dealers. I know them. Two college kids. Bright clothes. A Latina woman standing next to me on the platform. I remember when cognizant that I was staring and she gave me a slight smile and I felt like that was such radiance. So clearly more than just isolation. But I've learned that my brain is powerful in ways that I try to find interesting rather than frustrating. My experiences make me feel like I'm in a sort of matrix, walking through people who felt as real to me as mannequins and stick to such odd schedules. If this didn't make any sense, sorry. The witness and his cousin were out hunting near Johnson City, Tennessee, and were sitting on the side of the wall of a rather large hollow which consisted of very thick underbrush and lots of evergreen. The larger valley then lead first to a clearing and then on to a supposed old Indian graveyard. All of a the sudden they heard the brush in the hollow below rattling, and they could tell that whatever was making the sounds was rather large. The main witness was armed with a Ruger 10, 22 rifle with approximately 150 rounds of ammo ready to go. Under his night vision scope, he could see what appeared to be a man, but upon further inspection, he realized that the man was a creature about seven, eight feet tall, approximately 450 pounds. It was covered with thick black fur and was slimmer than the popular Bigfoot image almost skinny with a neck. Also protruding on either side of its head were long tapered horns, also black in color. On the top of the head also protruded a horn, pointing straight up. All horns were approximately five, six inch in length and were the same dark color as the creature. The terrified witness emptied a 25-round clip into the creature and then retreated into a nearby cabin about 65 feet away. The next morning, they could not find anything except for lots of spent shell casings and bullet holes on a walnut tree. He thought he had struck the creature several times. Nearby animals' traps had been sprung, and all the bait extracted. On a nearby ridge, the witnesses located a series of tunnels made up of brush and various sizes of tree limbs, vines, and leaves. They thought it could have been the lair of the beast, afraid they returned home. I was camping in remote East Texas with four other guys. We had hiked for a couple of days and were camped in some pretty thick trees. About 20 yards down, a hill was a small river which flowed into a nearby lake, which we were hoping to get to the next day. We had all gone down for sleep, but myself and one other guy saw a light from down the hill a bit to our east. We woke the others as it looked like people and we were pretty remote. As it got closer, we realized it was a bath boat with a floodlight coming up the river. People that live somewhere on the lake. It is weird, though, because we know they don't live upriver anywhere. The river runs into some rough terrain and narrows to the point you couldn't get through with a boat. So they were just coming up the river for no reason at about 1 a.m. with a floodlight scanning both sides of the river. We stay hunkered down and get our one rifle out, just in case. 
It's creepy because it really does feel like they're looking for somebody on shore. But we are far enough back to not be seen if we stay laying down. As they get close, we hear a woman's voice talking. It sounds strange, like it's not a conversational way of speaking. As they get close, it sounds like she's reciting something. One guy says it's T.S. Idiot. These are backwoods people reciting T.E.S. Elliot into the dark forest at one in the morning from a bass boat. They came by with this woman just reading this crazy shit while shining the light all over and some giant duck dynasty looking dude silently driving the boat. Scariest part was that they passed and never came back down river. We took turns keeping watch, although I didn't really sleep at all. Then quietly slipped on down the trail in the morning, trying to hide signs we were there. We ended up cutting really wide around the lake to avoid whoever these crazy redneck poetry fans were. When I was maybe seven or eight, I spent the better part of a month at a cabin in the woods with my grandpa and my little cousin. This cabin was up from Fontana Lake in North Carolina. My papa grew up there and was on his way out, and I guess he just wanted to spend time with some of his grandkids and show us what his life was like before he passed. The trip was great. I had an absolute blast, but there was two bizarre events that I still can't fully wrap my head around. There was like a half a mile gravel road that stemmed from an awful one-lane road that ended at a dirt trail, which led to the front porch of the cabin. It was out of the way up in the woods and had no one near it. This cabin is or was small and smelled like mildew. It had a living room, kitchen, and bedroom, no bathroom. Everything was tiny. You had to either go outside or walk a few miles to the docks. Papa said he'd had problems with bobcats at night climbing around the cabin and yelling, so if we heard something strange outside, we shouldn't be alarmed. This, of course, alarmed us. A few nights into the stay, around 1.30 a.m., me and my cousin were woken up by a knock on the door. We were asleep in the living room, and my papa was in the bedroom. I wasn't about to answer the door, and my cousin was freaking the hell out. We waited in paralyzed silence as the knocks continued and got louder until it was basically someone or something kicking the door. Not surprisingly, they didn't wake up my papa. The man's snores were house-shaking, lie loud, and you'd basically have to slap him to get him up. Once the kick started, the fear-induced paralysis wore off and turned into absolute panic. I bolted to the bedroom and shook my papa awoke. Upon hearing the banging at the door, he grabbed his revolver. He then went to the door and, without saying anything, just shot a few rounds through the door and went back to bed. My cousin and I didn't sleep after that. The next day, my papa simply said no one has any business being up here. The porch, surprisingly, was clean, but the dirt path, gravel driveway, and road were blood-soaked. The blood went across and down the road and ended near the docks. The police never came, and nothing was ever said about it again. I told my mom once after my papa had passed, and she wasn't shocked at all. She even said my papa and his brother shot a pedophile in Mississippi. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. After he tried to prostitute some little girls to them while they were on a fishing trip. My papa was a hard-boiled, stubborn, God-fearing man, and I miss him, even if he did occasionally shoot people. Next up, during the second week, we took a pontoon boat to the dam. Near the shore of the right side of the dam was a dead snake, half on land, half in half. In the water seriously forty feet in length, it was easily longer than the boat and bloated. My papa said there was an abandoned zoo, and it probably came from that, and had just been living around the lake. Not so much mysterious or creepy, but definitely weird. I live in western Montana and live on a reservation known as the Blackfoot Nation. My father is a tribal member, and my mother is not. I am therefore a white descendant and have grown up experiencing both sides of the culture. Both whites and Indians have stories that they rarely tell. When my father was born, he was conscious. This is something he would never tell a stranger, but I am telling you what he told me. He remembers being in a waiting room before birth and surrounded by thousands of babies. Some were deformed and some were sickly. They were black, Asian, and other races, and one of them was covered in hair. It's impossible for me to explain this part better than he could, but basically he saw the waiting room for souls. He was one of the few who were led through. I am only sharing this detail because as a child I had dreams about the hearing man and his family before I was ever exposed to the concept of Bigfoot. These dreams were frightening and unexplained and only made sense years later when my father related this to me. In my opinion, the hairy man is somehow related to this area in a big way. My ancestors, having been the first to settle this area, have had extensive experiences with a hairy man. Sasquatch may be a part of my genetic memory as well as my father's and our grandfather's. My father was born with precognition of the hairy man. 
As a small boy, he was playing in the living room with many brothers when one of them burst through the door, screaming and crying for my grandmother to come out and make him go away. This was the first time the hairy man appeared in my father's life. My uncle, also a child at the time, had seen a Sasquatch in this small garden out back, which is next to a small creek. The Sasquatch was stealing vegetables and ran off after being seen. Nobody spoke of this event afterwards. Sasquatch was taken for granted back then. As the years went by, my father reached his early twenties and stories had been popping up around the reservation about a wild man breaking into houses and scaring children at night. The wild man was said to be very large and smelly. One family in particular started to be visited by the hairy man almost every night. They would come home and see the door left open, their food taken and the animals cowering under the table. This routine was so familiar that they treated it as a common occurrence, like the family ghost, as my father put it. Everyone started to lock their doors at night. Dogs were acting cowardly for no apparent reason. The wild man was having a way. He was getting bold. He started to break into houses during the middle of the day. Children would see him. The tribal police were called and meetings were held. The town was becoming more and more shaken up by the presence of this unknown intruder. This was when something incredible happened to the particular family who was favored by the hairy man. One night, while standing on the porch, the father was yanked off by his feet in full view of the entire family. They screamed and huddled together and cried. Well, whatever it was, fought with the father on the porch. The sounds of fighting and screaming was traumatic for the kids. They are now grown up like myself, and I wonder to this day how much this affected their lives. The father was gone for days. Whatever it was that had taken him had carried him off into the night after the struggle on the porch. There was blood on the grass, and the family grabbed neighbors and other men of the community to help recover the father. The men got together and followed the signs and trails left by whatever it was. There were drops of blood and signs of something very large passing through. They followed this trail all the way to the very creek where my uncle had spotted a Sasquatch when he was a boy. They followed the creek all night. When the men returned the next day, they didn't speak a word. A whole group of grown men, and not one of them was willing to speak about what happened. They had, however, found the father and recovered him. He was beaten black and blue over his entire body. He had broken arms and legs. The father was in shock and incoherent. He couldn't speak a word. One of my uncles had gone to see the man and his family in the hospital. There was a fair amount of goodwill being shown to the family that went through this horrible experience. Nobody knew what happened, only that the father was close to death and that the family was very shaken up. My uncle stopped by to pay his respects and saw for himself the father lying in the hospital. His eyes were bulging wide. He was trembling constantly. This man had been beaten badly. He died that night, and to this day nobody knows what grabbed him or what happened to him. To this day, the men who went on the recovery mission to save him have kept their stories to themselves. Only a select circle, including my father, remembers these incidents. All that I was told was that those men found what it was that took the father. They found the hearing man, and they killed it with high-power rifles and buried the body. 
The men who did this feel incredibly guilty. The older generation told us to avoid the Sasquatch and leave them alone because they are human beings. They are not animals and they are not magic, but they can most certainly be monsters and this is one story that corroborates that. I am a 20-year-old man, and for years I've been witnessing people with granola texture. My first encounter was in Kansas as a young boy. They were about three feet tall with yellow eyes and skin textured like granola. I would wake up in the middle of the night to see these two things staring back at me. I would often close my eyes really hard or turn the other way. The countless times I'd tell my parents they'd brush it off as a kid just being a kid. That's understandable. Although one day when I woke up after them being there the previous night, there were two sets of tiny handprints on my bedside. The prints were not human handprints, but rather where someone put their fingerless hands on my nightstand. The handprints were made up of disgusting granola. My parents, baffled by it, brushed it off as me having a midnight snack. These encounters happened for three years in Kansas. Now I've lived and visited in several other states where I encountered these things. Now I understand as a child we are impressionable by certain things. However, I know I physically saw these things and continued to see them into my teen years. As I've lived in other states, I've had encounters, but this would be an essay if I wrote about them. Has anyone encountered anything similar? I have yet to find a similar case to this and would be interested to hear from the community. We were sitting in our living room enjoying the open window and the peacefulness of our rural surroundings when one of us noticed a peculiar sight. There, not too far away, rested a silvery-gray metallic object with a cupola-like shape on the ground. Its bottom displayed a deep blue-black color, and it emitted a beam of matching hue from its middle section. The beam briefly swept across the nearby woods before switching off. Intrigued, we both witnessed this extraordinary object and decided to take a closer look. Approaching the object cautiously, one of us observed its small metallic legs providing support. The upper part of the craft appeared transparent, revealing the presence of two small humanoids inside. Their appearance was described as ugly, with crooked beak-like noses and green-brown spots covering their bodies. These beings had large bulging eyes, pointed chins, prominent mouths, and pointed ears. They wore shiny gray helmets adorned with antennae, featuring a yellow line at the center. Additionally, they sported black gloves and clothing. The witness who approached could also discern numerous gauges and levers within the craft. In a sudden movement, the nearest being made a gesture resulting in a blinding light that overwhelmed the witness, causing them to stumble backward. As the craft swiftly took off, emitting a whistling sound, the witness's eyes were left irritated, and they briefly experienced a state of shock in the aftermath of the encounter. In 2017, I had heard news of people dressing up as clowns and running around with knives at night. I typically brush those things because I got my own problems. 
I, at the time, 20 female, was often up all hours of the night dealing with my screaming newborn. It was January or February, so we still had some snow, and I wasn't able to get out of the house often. Taking out the trash, which is located right out the back door, was usually the most I got of fresh air. One morning I took out the trash and happened to glance over to the right and noticed footprints directly under the window to my baby's room. I walked over to inspect, and not only were there footprints, but there was also hand indentations on the window screen. Weird, but baby slept in my room, so not very concerned at the moment, but boyfriend was losing his marbles. Fast forward a couple days, and I was up around 3 a.m. and heard not exactly what I would call screaming, but more of a screeching howl. We have lots of stray cats, so I kind of thought that's what it was and ignored it. Once the sun was up, I looked out the window and noticed a few sets of footprints that really didn't make sense, because it kind of looked like someone had just been passing in between the houses. But again, I blow it up because we had a drug house across the street, and we have had people cross through our yard before to get to that house. Maybe four nights later again at 3 a.m., I'm breastfeeding and hear a dragging noise against the house, and from where I was sitting on my couch I could see the back door. The back door has a window with blinds on it and doesn't seal well due to wood rot on the frame. I pause the TV and listen just to hear it again, now directly at the back door. Looking over I can clearly see a looming figure just standing in the window holding one of those big kitchen knives, and granted the blinds were shut, so I'm seeing the creepy shadow version of this. He runs the knife across the window panes before softly knocking. Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out what to do with the newborn latched on, because my phone is in the bedroom, and something in me doesn't want whoever this is out of my vision. So I stand up and readjust because I really didn't want a screaming baby right then and walking into my kitchen and flick on the light and then said, just loud enough for him to hear me. Hey man, I already called the police and I'm sure you don't want to deal with them, so why don't you go home? I don't know why I talked to him so calm and normal like, but I don't think he was expecting anyone to say anything because he froze the moment I began talking. He talked it over with himself for a minute and darted down toward the alleyway. Never had anything like that happen again, but boyfriend sure was mad. I didn't wake him up to handle the situation, or at least actually call the police. Not sure if this counts as a creepy encounter, but I sure was creeped out once my sleep-deprived self realized what happened. Yes, this is real, and it happened this morning. I woke up feeling like any other ordinary day. The sun was slowly peeking through the curtains, casting a warm glow in the room. I needed to charge my phone, so I went to unplug my roommate's phone to plug mine in. That's when I saw it, a missed call notification on her phone. Curiosity got the better of me, and I glanced at the caller ID below the phone number. Without thinking, I blurted out the name of the caller to my roommate. She chuckled, assuming I was playing a prank until I handed her the phone. I could see her face change in an instant, her expression filled with disbelief and fear. She stammered, telling me it was her mom who was calling. Her mom, who had tragically passed away in 2006. 
The phone call had ended a second after she realized who it was. As she tried to gather her thoughts, she decided to call the number back. To our astonishment, an automated voice answered, saying, Press one for yes and two for no. We were both perplexed and terrified. How was it possible that her deceased mother's phone number was calling her? Her mom's number had never been stored in her contacts. It couldn't be a simple glitch. This was far too eerie and unsettling for that. A million questions raced through our minds. Was someone playing a sick joke, or was this something much more sinister? Could someone be stalking her, using her deceased mother's number to torment her? Or was it some inexplicable paranormal occurrence? We sat there, hearts pounding, minds racing. The room seemed to grow colder as we contemplated the inexplicable event. Our thoughts were consumed by the possibilities of what this could mean. Were we in danger? Was her mother trying to send a message from beyond the grave? Neither of us knew what to do next. Fear and confusion engulfed us. We decided to reach out to friends and family to see if they had experienced anything similar or had any insights into this strange phenomenon. No one had answers, and each call only added to the sense of unease. Hours passed, and we were still no closer to understanding what had happened. It felt like we were caught in a surreal nightmare, unable to wake up. As the day wore on, we tried to distract ourselves, but the bizarre event lingered in the back of our minds, haunting us. Finally, as the evening set in, we found some solace in each other's company. Together, we held on to the hope that maybe it was just an inexplicable glitch or a cruel prank. We agreed to keep a close eye on her phone and seek help if anything like this ever happened again. As the night crept in, we sought refuge in the presence of friends and tried to find comfort in the mundane routines of everyday life. Yet deep down, we knew that this strange and unsettling event had forever changed our perception of reality. To this day, we remain haunted by that inexplicable phone call. We may never know the truth behind what happened that morning, but one thing is certain. It left an indelible mark on our lives, a chilling reminder that sometimes the boundaries between the living and the beyond are not as clear as we'd like to believe. So someone was following me home yesterday, and now I don't want to leave the house. If 15 was walking home from the store yesterday, and I saw a black boxcar drive past me extremely slow, and a man in the car clearly watching me, and when he fully passed me, I saw him watching me in his rearview mirror. I thought it was weird and slowed down my pace so that I could tell if he was waiting for me or just a slow driver. He was still driving extremely slow, but moved a little when he saw two guys riding past on bikes. He then moved to the edge of the short street we were on and waited there. I was still towards the beginning of the street, so I acted like I forgot something and turned around to get out of his sight. I waited and kind of peeked out to see if he had left, and when I saw he was gone, I continued walking. I didn't think it would happen, but I made a mental note that if I saw the car behind me, it meant he circled back around. After I continued walking, I made three turns and was three turns away from my house. 
When I was walking up a little hill, and almost at the fore turn, I looked back and saw the man at the corner I had just turned from, letting me know he circled back around to find me. He sat there watching me continue walking until I got up the little hill and turned the corner. Then, as I had just barely made the last turn and was close to my house, I saw the man's car just turn the corner up the street, straight across from the way I was walking, waiting there. I pulled out my phone to call my mom and walk the other way, and he left soon after I pulled out my phone. My mom came out and walked with me back to the house, and I didn't see the car for the rest of the day. But I keep thinking, he knows what neighborhood I stay in. What if he comes back? What if the next time he comes back, I'm out by myself again? What if no one's home to call? What if he sees me leaving and comes back when I'm the only one home? I'm so scared he's going to come back. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to show him where I live, especially because I'm home alone very often. I have summer school and I have to go, but I don't want to leave the house and fear he might be waiting for me. And I'm constantly looking out the windows to see if I can spot him. Especially since if he was at the store I was at, he definitely stays somewhere near the neighborhood. So to sum it up, I agreed to taking care of this family's dogs for five days, and the dogs have been great. Happy, healthy, normal pups in a somewhat seemingly normal house. I met the lady prior to coming and even came in the house and things seemed normal. First night I got here was fine until about the second day when all of a sudden the uh, AC stopped working. It reached all the way up to 83 degrees where I was staying, upstairs, so I had to move down to the basement including the animals. Third night we were downstairs in the basement. Prior to going to sleep, I left my phone plugged in vertically on the nightstand next to me and had all the dogs in their spots for the evening. I wake up at 4.30 a.m., I can tell by my watch, to my phone being unplugged from the wall and phone completely dead. I then things that's strange because Ernstie is no way I could do that in my sleep, but whatever. I get up to go use the restroom and I hear something in the bathroom. The shower was turned on, and running water was going straight into the drain. With that being said, there was water soaked all over the ground. I had to use six towels to clean it up. Then the next day rolls around, and I decided to give one of the dogs a bath in the upstairs shower. At this point, the uh, sea guy came out to fix it and said there was nothing he could do until he was able to check the pressure within a few hours he would come back. He never came back, and the uh, A.C. went back to normal, when all of a sudden the whole shower rack falls on my head and almost hit the dog. Anyways, as the night unfolds, I slept fine, but I woke up at 7.30 a.m. to let the dogs out, and I go to look at my phone, and the charger is bent and stuck inside my charging port. Now I have to use a different one. It's my last night here, and I don't really know what to expect now. Maybe I'm just overreacting, but something just doesn't feel right. Is this maybe something paranormal? Or just paranoia LOL? Hello everyone. I'm not really sure if I should post this, mostly because I'm not really sure if what I'm experiencing is paranormal in any way, but 
Yeah, I just need some kind of confirmation whether I'm just imagining things or not. Now, I also have to say that this post is going to be pretty long. These things have been happening for about a year, so there's a lot to tell. I also have to state some things before I start telling you my story. I'm still in high school, final year, so I still live with my parents in a relatively small apartment. Two bedrooms, a kitchen, a bathroom, and a hall. The apartment building was built somewhere in the early 1990s, and my apartment was firstly inhabited by a small family before my parents moved in 2001. I don't have any mental illness and no record of any in my family, so what I've been seeing or hearing is most probably real. Now, let's go through my story. When I was young, I was extremely afraid of sleeping alone. Now, this is normal for any child, but my fear only disappeared when I was about 11 or 12. Now that I think about it, it might have been because of the sounds that I could hear at night. The building is relatively new, so there are no creaks or other sounds, even though the water can sometimes be heard circulating through the pipes. But ever since I was little, I could hear footsteps in the hall at night. Whenever I went to check, there was no apparent source. This startled me a bit in my early years, but as I grew older, I assumed they were from the neighbors above, and kind of shook it off whenever I heard them. About a year ago, though, things really started to happen. And it all began with me having a sleep paralysis experience. That night I woke up, but I couldn't move or speak. Only look around my dark room, illuminated eerily by moonlight. At the foot of my bed stood a tall, dark figure. Not abnormally tall, somewhere close to my father's height at that time. I couldn't make out many details a part of it being humanoid, but it didn't speak or even move as a matter of fact. It just stared at me. I remember the feeling of just laying there, wassing that figure stare back at me, but, weirdly enough, I was completely calm. I wasn't confused, scared, horrified even. Just calm. A month after that, I was on my PC, with the door to my bedroom closed. My desk with my computer is stationed on the other side of the door, so my webcam looks directly to it. That evening, I was on Discord with my friends, and I had my camera turned on. We were just talking, chilling, laughing. Normal things. As I had my headphones on, I couldn't hear anything apart from my friends' voices. Now, I only found this out about a couple of days later. But sometime during our call, my friend saw my door open by itself. But they thought it was my mother checking in on me. I didn't tell them that, but I knew for a fact that I was home alone at the moment. This really freaked me out, and for a few days I was terrified of being alone in the house. I thought someone broke in during that time, but there was nothing missing, and the front door remained locked from the inside. The next few months were quiet. Very quiet. Nothing happened, and the footsteps in the hall were gone. My theory about them was enhanced by the fact that the neighbors upstairs moved out, and to this day, no one lives in the apartment above. But then things started going down. I started finding some of my things slightly moved. A pen from my desk was on the floor. A book in my bookshelf was now on my bed, and things like that. I talked to my parents about those, but they said they didn't move anything. Then I would find a door to a cabinet or wardrobe randomly opened and left that way. Most of them also had nothing to do with my parents. 
This is when we started to jokingly say there was a ghost in the apartment, and we named it Mark. I know it sounds stupid, but we chose to amuse ourselves instead of worrying. Something any person would find much more comforting, I believe. Then we installed the light as we sleep with the doors to our bedrooms open. It is inconvenient when someone turns on the hall light at night. When they go to the bathroom, mostly because the other or them woken up by it, so to avoid stumbling into things while navigating through darkness, we installed a motion-detecting hall light. Simple right, kinda, except for the fact that ever since we installed it, I barely sleep at night. The footsteps now return, even though there is absolutely no one above us, and we live at the ground floor. But now, whenever I could hear footsteps, the light in the hall would turn on, as like detecting movement. But no one is there. I never managed to record it, so when I told my friends about it, they laughed at me. But when I had one of them stay overnight, their opinion changed within minutes. A week ago, I took a shower at about 2, 3 a.m. Now, I might just be paranoid, but I can bet there's something there with me whenever I enter the bathroom. Watching. When I got out of the shower, I noticed scratch marks on my left arm. Two parallel lines in a perfect MRW. Now, as I said, most of this could be explained, like sleep paralysis, hallucinations, footsteps, creaks of the building, light, faulty wiring, but for sake of me, I can't explain the scratches. The moved items, the open doors, or even the presence I sometimes feel watches over me. My friend suggested I contact the spirit, but this is where I stop. I know for a fact how dangerous Aja boards and sciences can be, and I am not willing to invite something else into my home. And I also live in a country where religion isn't taken that seriously apart from the elders. Most priests don't even believe in God, and our religion doesn't really cover ghosts or spirits, so there is no way to exorcise or bless the house or something like that. So I ask you, a gathering of the most enthusiastic paranormal enjoyers and investigators, is this paranormal, and what should I do about it? So I used to live in this small one-story house with a, at the time, pseudo-large family. Three kids, me included, and my mom. So the house had this added on living room. It was a recent addition to the house that I guess the original owner decades ago didn't want, but was added after he passed. Now I am not superstitious or anything. But that whole room felt off, like it was uneven and slanted even though it wasn't. It gave me the chills to be alone there. One night I leave my room for some reason, probably because I was scared or something, and I slept on the couch in the living room because it is an eyeshot of my mother's room and very close to it. We also had this mirror. It was a large vanity mirror on rusty hinges that would move when hit by wind or uh, very strong. Current since it was made of copper and rather large, so I'm sleeping in the living room, or trying to, and then the mirror starts to move. Now it is stagnant in there, like no air current, the heaters aren't blowing. Nothing in this big-ass copper mirror rotates and faces me while I'm on the couch. It turned real slow, too, 
It squeaked in everything and bothered the hell out if me. It lasted an eternity, couldn't sleep all night, and laid awake facing away from it. The following morning when I got up and walked over to my mom's room to wake her up the mirror was silently turned back to its original position. I don't believe it was anything supernatural, but it freaks me the F out to this day, and I'm glad I never have to set foot in that room again. Okay, so ever since I was five, I've been sensitive to energies. I see ghosts and speak to dead people and such. But this is crazy because it has happened not one, not two, but three times. The first time it happened, I was five. I remember I'd just gotten home from kindergarten, and I went to take a nap. During the nap, I remember sitting at a table with my papa. By this time in his life, he already had bad heart failure and kidney failure and kidney failure, so he was on dialysis. He told me, don't worry about anything. You will be okay. At this time, I was newly diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and that would to me later having open heart at 10, and now at 16, I'm in heart failure and stage 3 kidney disease. He also told me that he loves me and that he would watch me forever. I woke up and my mom was crying. I found out that my papa's heart had stopped. The next time this happens, I'm around 10 years old. I was at my dad's house and I was going to bed. My dream sequence started with me seeing my aunt on a beautiful homestead or ranch. She was dressed in a flowing white dress, and she just looked so at peace. Then I see this dark figure come, and it takes her away while she's screaming and getting taken. She looks at me and says I'm gone now. I woke up and I found out she overdosed. The last time this happened was probably four years ago, maybe even earlier. I was sleeping at my grandma's house, and I have a dream about her sister, my great-aunt. My great-aunt had bad dementia. I see her, but younger, and literally, all she said was I remember everything again. And I kid you not, the next morning I find out she passed. In my family, a lot of people are Catholic, but a lot of people are also psychic and are mediums. I think I'm an empath because of my sensitivities and a lot more experiences I've had. But I don't know. This is kind of freaky.